Hello, and welcome to Check It Out with EVPL, a podcast from your local library. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm your host, Aaron. And today we are joined by Chase. Chase, how's it going? That's good. I'm happy to be here. So which branch did you journey from to join us today? I come from the long, far out reaches of Red Bank over on the west side of the county. Yeah, I remember whenever you were a central boy. Okay, I, and I we used to hang out boy. all the time. And now you don't even remember who I am. You're Aaron, right? <laughs> he got that sweet gig, like you go from being a city cop to like a cop out in the country. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also relevant to mailmen, apparently. Rural routes are amazing for post carriers. Yeah, I hear you get a lot of things at Christmas. A lot of gifts and baked goods. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yeah Plus, yeah. you don't have to walk the beat as there a you city most full worker. Definitely. Anyway, random segue. Um, <laughs> I believe that we're not talking about postal carriers today. I believe we're talking about superheroes. Is that on today's menu? I believe so. I mean, I'll go ahead and start it off. So superheroes are amazing. I love them, and I am excited to talk about it. How do you feel? I think I'm not quite up there with your energy, but I'll get there. I mean, I did yeah. dress up. You did, and, yeah. And he is wearing, yeah. He's he's not just wearing a Superman shirt, but he has a Superman shirt underneath a button shirt. You I'm can Clark clearly Kent. He's, okay. Yeah, he's Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah. he's mid transformation. Yes, yeah. I'm ready to bust out any second of a phone booth. <laughs> it's like, which is always an odd like location for Superman because aren't they clear? <laughs> but he's so quick, so that's true. That Maybe it's a challenge for himself. Also, I was going to make the joke that, are you Superman, but with Alzheimer's, like you started changing and you forgot what you were doing? <laughs> Bizarro Superman or something. Like that, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I'm also very excited because I'm, I'm a huge superhero fan. Um, I think it's just a great escape from everything else that I read, which can be depressing and too realistic. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan and it's great. I remember liking superheroes and it being really nerdy and you would get bullied. And I guess it's still nerdy, but now being nerdy is cool. I don't get bullied as much, so which is nice. <laughs> well, and you've seen like a just a seismic shift in the paradigm just these last like 10, 15 years in superhero representation in media too. It's just kind of like I remember being back in uh, middle school and superhero movies were always like seen as like a niche market and it's just like uh you know some people might go watch us but it's not like the box office blockbusters they are now yeah i always remember there were always some few superhero movies and you're just like what is this like i remember like the phantom with um billy zane exactly the silence <laughs> yeah. is I, I chose to forget it now you've unearthed it <laughs> yeah just okay that's our superhero movie cool and then 20 years later you get oh yeah this is like the entire summer blockbuster schedule yeah <laughs> superheroes now <laughs> every weekend it seems i kind of want to go ahead and get started with it by uh finding out what got you into superheroes who would like to go first I think what got me into it was Batman Returns, 1989, Michael Keaton. I just remember watching that movie and it was, I call it my favorite Christmas movie because it does happen during Christmas. Shortly after that, you had Batman the Animated Series. I know a lot of Batman fans consider that the best representation of Batman, period. But it was definitely Michael Keaton, him saying, I'm Batman, and still saying it to this day when he's not playing Batman. I mean, that's what got me into it for sure. How about you, Aaron? I was always uh loved the superhero movies growing up, like the Batman movies, even Batman Forever. I missed out on Batman and Robin, not by choice, but I'm glad those circumstances, you know, kept me from watching it. I think my mind was developed enough to like 
really like try to figure out what I was watching. In my small town, there was like a slightly bigger town next to it where my parents worked. And my aunt worked at a restaurant that was part of this big complex that had several other stores. And one of the stores was a comic book store. It was such a small store, like they could only be open like eight hours a week. So you had to like time it perfectly to get there and you had to put in your requests and whatnot. And that's when I really started to go beyond just watching superhero movies and really dive into the source materials and got into it that way. Very cool. My start was actually the 90s cartoons. Can't remember which network it was, but like the Saturday morning cartoons. Probably Fox. Probably Fox. That sweet <laughs> X-Men guitar riff. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. everybody remembers. Yeah, yeah. That that was what signaled like the start of the weekend for me. And uh, I have three siblings. And of course, with X-Men, you have tons of different mutants and powers and stuff. So we're always like choosing which ones are our favorites and playing along. So it was just like a really bonding moment. And uh, I have a lot of fond memories of that show. And then obviously it spiraled into, you know, they had a Spider-Man series, the Batman series you had mentioned in like 1998, whenever the first the Hulk movie came out, the one that everyone wishes never came out. So that was 2003 when that came okay, out. I'm way off. Of but anyway, um. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're right about the second part of that statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I rewatched that recently with my wife, and she's like, "Please don't make me, make me watch that ever again." I grew up with this, the animated series, and then I just I didn't really follow it up until that 2003 Hulk movie. Like, I know I know it's terrible, but whenever I watched it, I was uh, ooh like 12 or 13, and I watched it with my dad, and it was just a good good bonding experience, and that kind of reignited the flame. And then, of course, then we start getting really really good movies probably five years later uh, with Iron Man and everything. And it was just fantastic. I think for me, like Spider-Man, the 2002 Tobey Maguire one, for a lot of people, it's a generic like, yeah, that got me right back into comics again and helped me enjoy superheroes. But it was that good of a movie. Yeah, and that was also back when you still had the midnight premieres. I still remember to this day in high school going to see the Spider-Man 3 midnight premiere and then me and all my friends going to school the next day, super (laughs) exhausted and tired with zero sleep and then realizing that we were giving blood and then all of us were passing out one after the other because <laughs> we did not rest enough but it was worth it to see uh toby mcguire as spiderman in the symbiote suit because it's so memorable but it was even better to see topher grace as venom from that 70s show and that was not great casting I think. <laughs> <laughs> he tried he tried his little heart out like, i mean he, he hated did, peter yeah. parker which is the basis so yeah job all done there but definitely not like the characterization of a Brock we were all used to at that point. No, yeah. not the slide. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all that entire series was, it was great. And I remember enjoying it. Of course, now I, I look back on it and what we have available now, I, I am enjoying Tom Holland's take on it thoroughly uh, just because he's really striking the whole Peter is 16. So yes. 17 yeah. around there. And it, it really strikes home with the portrayal of it and the, yeah, I always refer back to um, Kevin Smith's view of all the live action or all the actors have played Spider-Man. And I know it feels cheap because I'm using someone else's opinion as my own. I remember him saying Tobey Maguire was the best Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man. And then Tom Holland is the best of them both, where he can both play shy, nerdy Peter Parker, high schooler, trying to figure out teenage years and that kind of thing but then also be the quippy spider-man at the same time all right well let's just go ahead and ask the big question all right who's who's the favorite there's a few floating up 
in my dome right now, but like Spider-Man definitely is like on my favorites. We don't make it to the movies that often with, especially with the new Spider-Man that came out. Like it just had to clear my schedule and make it work. <laughs> it's just like anytime there's a Spider-Man movie or a movie with Spider-Man, like I'm just going to be there. And like, I'm checking out all the new games, trying to haven't ca- kept up with comics. The brand new day thing kind of turned me off. And like, I always try to check out anything that they're trying to throw him into. That's excellent choice. Well, I guess I'll have to say Batman, which always comes with a grain of salt because then you have people say, well, he doesn't have powers. That's not a superhero. (laughs) But my argument is always, okay, he doesn't have powers, but he still finds himself able to hold his own against people that do. So how is that not super? We've seen in different comics and also movies where he's gone toe to toe with like Superman and and they, they always say that Batman, if given enough time to plan, can take on anybody, that kind of thing. Just that human intellect and also just the dedication to training and to make sure that he's at the top of his game. So I've always been a huge Batman fan. But then also I always think about, well, that's my favorite DC hero. But who's my favorite Marvel hero? Then who's my favorite this comic making company and so on and so on. So I'm also a huge Spider-Man fan just because I do think that's one of the most relatable heroes ever. And I always think back to there's a Stan Lee quote of how for a long time, the reason he made Spider-Man is one of the very first heroes to be covered head to toe in a costume. And the big part of that was so that anybody of any race or religion, whatever uh, country of origin, they could picture themselves as Spider-Man. And I think that's one of the coolest little things that Stanley's ever done. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, who my favorite <laughs> is, is I'm currently dressed up as him. I- I'm pretty basic. I love Superman. He's definitely my favorite because he can do anything. And he's always on the side of right, which is extremely boring, especially with uh, shows coming out like The, the Boys, obviously, mm-hmm. Homelander. Oh, yeah. Similar to uh, Superman. You start to get an idea of perspective that kind of batman and the batman versus superman this all-powerful being who everyone is kind of just subject to his will if he wanted it to now obviously we know he's never gonna do anything wrong because he's the good guy do you feel like you have to defend your choice of superman a lot because <laughs> it always, seems, I, I it's do, funny, I it always do. seems like to be the most like controversial <laughs> pick someone's favorite superhero yeah I, I do feel i don't know why but also you have a lot of interesting canon and rewrites with the character too throughout the years one of my buddies is also a huge superman fan and he always had to deal with people who always liked batman and all the darker heroes just because oh they're, they're darker they're cooler and stuff like that superman is just good and he can he's too powerful and blah 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 and my buddy would just be like what's wrong with being a good person <laughs> yeah and that is his argument on liking superman he's like he's he's the most good person ever if you made a spectrum of like evil and good like superman is like as far over to good size can it's like what's wrong with being a good person because i feel like some of the strongest stories and my favorite superman stories i've come across have always kept that at the center of the story all-star superman the Seriously. first uh, Injustice video game, the the Justice League episode, um, the man who has everything, but it's a, it it makes him see like oh uh, like perfect. his dream re- his yeah. perfect reality and everyone and like the villains are just like oh he's probably just like living as like a as a king and it's just like his dream reality is him just being a normal human being <laughs> married to Lois Lane. It's a really good episode. There we go. Okay, I've I've, I've managed to quantify it as you guys were talking. He feels the need to fix the world, but his dream is to not be needed at all. That's the interesting uh, aspect of it for me. I do enjoy Superman quite a lot. Like he's 
especially all-star superman was great and then even superman red sun where it's like what if superman landed in moscow instead of kansas <laughs> i'm trying to remember correctly so hopefully this is right but i'm pretty sure he still ends up just fighting for humanity like mm-hmm. it do- doesn't matter like what side he's on mm-hmm. it's just like i'm trying to save the world and save earthlings and stuff and- it goes through some extremely great territory to get there but yeah at, at the end <laughs> it's it, i think that's the point it's just like ultimately he will always become this beacon of hope find the good fight are there any superhero comics or movies you would like to recommend that you feel like not enough people like experienced i'm just gonna say right now like morbius you guys are missing out (laughs) half joking there the morbius (laughs) character is a lot stronger than what they did with the movie if you want an example check out the (laughs) spider-man anime series that is probably like his only other time he's been in a medium besides comic books. Uh, the one where he he's not a vampire. He's, he's like a, uh, he he gets plasma. He gets plasma through his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. got like su- which is a lot weirder than just buying someone's neck. Like he has like suckers <laughs> on his hands. Basically taking like a vampire's curse story and putting a bit of a superhero spin on it. Uh, well, he's got a love interest, uh, Felicia. Felicia Hardy. Felicia Hardy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, this is in the animated series, and he's try- they're trying to find a cure for him, and then eventually, he kind of realizes that could he could use this power to keep her for like with him forever. But that's not ultimately my choice. One I would recommend is called Omega Men. It was a series written by Tom King. It came out like several years ago, and it focused on the Green Lantern lantern uh kyle who's probably most infamous for being the origin of like the fringing your women trope gail simone came up with it in one of his comics his girlfriend is kidnapped and he discovers her dead body in a fridge fringing women is like a trope for like uh women are just there to give the the male superheroes like a reason to fight or like a reason to get back into it besides that isolated contained story of him uh, just going off into space and encountering like this big galactic power and uh, galactic uh, political power struggle really really fascinating ideas i'm gonna go ahead and just cover the super popular stuff because maybe maybe people who are listening you know haven't really (laughs) they're they're basic like me you know Obviously, the newer stuff that came out, Invincible, is a fantastic series. It's You got to get through the first episode to really get into the meat and potatoes of it. It takes quite the Jurassic turn. And it's the whole concept of a, you know, an omnipotent being that what if he's not good or, you know, questionable motives. And then similar to The Boys, which I would recommend as well. These are both very gory, though. Just a heads up. Viewers be warned. Uh, And then on the other side of it. You've got, you know, all the entire Marvel universe. If you, if you haven't jumped into it, it's, it's, it's a good representation of superheroes. I'm sure most everyone's listening has obviously heard of the MCU, but just in case, and you can jump into the middle of it. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Obviously watching previous movies in that, that universe helps and, and it pays off with little jokes and things, but you can, you can yeah. jump into any movie and kind of understand what's going on. Gosh, I've been trying to go through my recently read list just to kind of slim down what I would even want to suggest. One that surprised me was it's called The Authority. It's a DC publication. Pretty much picture if the Justice League and the boys had a baby. That's the, <laughs> the authority to me. It's essentially it's like what if the Justice League just went 
we're just going to run the world because no one else knows how to. And it just gets really insane. Recently, Batman Fear State has been great. That thing that's written by James Tinian, who is one of my favorite graphic novel artists. He does a bunch of cool horror stories, too. But Batman Fear State's been really good. Batgirl Year One is one of my favorites just because it's really interesting to see Barbara Gordon's ascension into Batgirl. Plus, it's cooler just because she's a librarian which is just such a great <laughs> cover uh, in terms of being able to research and find out things. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Everything that she goes through of trying to not be seen as just some girl that wants to be like Batman, but be her own superhero is a really great story. Of course, you kind of have to always suggest people read Watchmen because it's considered one of the greatest novels, not just graphic novels, just greatest novels ever written. If you really want to get kind of wowed and amazed at least to me it was really fun is the dc event called the button because watchman is a dc property and they use watchman to help explain why they did the new 52 run and stuff and it oh, almost yeah. gives you a bit of an existential crisis because <laughs> it goes into the multiverse and stuff and one of the coolest things is it does hit upon why superman is so important and why he's such a great character and I don't really want to ruin it, but it's nuts. And plus you get a Dr. Manhattan versus Superman battle, Ooh, yeah. which, which is just <laughs> like <laughs> seven years ago, like would not have well, like, well, it always seemed like it was one of those, like, you can't do this with these characters. Like the, yeah, the Watchmen, you can't cross over to the mainstream, like DC comics. And then they're like, wait, we're DC. We can do it. And I heard it's remarkable work. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And then of course, like Batman interacts with Warshack. And you're just, okay, I got to see how this plays yeah. out. Yes, yes, and, yes, please. <laughs> but it's it's really fun. I, I'm sure that there's some diehard fans are just like, oh, they, they ruined Watchmen or they ruined Superman, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, everyone's open to their fair opinion. Just like, I mean, Hulk 2003 is probably really good. I mean, Batman and Robin, it's super campy. But it's okay, so fun. It is, yeah. I know it's Arnold. But man, <laughs> he really like there are some nice little heartfelt moments and they clearly told him be as cheesy as you can and he delivers. He's having fun with every single ice pun. Chill. <laughs> ice to meet you. Doesn't he say that? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh you had mentioned Batwoman Year One. A uh, Batgirl. Batgirl. Is there uh is that any relation to Batman Year One? Well, it's not related to, it's just there were a couple of runs where Batman Year One, because I'm pretty sure it's Frank Miller yes. Yes. who did that. Yeah. And, of course, everyone loves origin stories or a reboot and stuff like that. So there were a couple where they did like a Robin, I think. But the Batgirl Year One is pretty cool. But it's not too related to Batman Year One by Frank Miller at all. Because even the costume is more of like Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. Batman Year One. Yeah, that's a great one, too, because Frank Miller is comic royalty i haven't read a ton of comic books but batman year one was one all-star superman was one superman unchained was another one i read oh they were all good but the new batman movie that with robert pattinson coming yes. out so many batman year one vibes i was getting from that oh for sure oh yeah definitely <laughs> i was yeah. loving it. it it's a strong opinion but one of my buddies from my hometown he owns a comic and collectible store and he does a podcast and I had to listen to what he thought of it. And he just straight up said, this is the only Batman movie they've ever made. Everybody else was just wearing costumes. <laughs> and I thought that's such a strong opinion, but at the same time, that's totally how I felt because 
opening with like the narration and everybody is scared of Batman. He is terrifying. Yeah. I loved like everything about it. Yeah, it was long. And some comics are long. All right. I just love the fact that he ma- he makes mistakes, like so many mistakes in that movie. How many years had he been? It's his year two. It's two year it's, two. Yeah, now, yeah. It's year two in that movie. And you can tell he's like, he's still learning quite a bit. And that's just fascinating to me because whenever you get the, uh, all the other representations of, um, especially the nineties ones, he makes no mistakes. He's perfect. No one has a chance against them. And I love the fact that like others have always focused on like the dichotomy between Bruce Wayne and Batman. And like in this one, he's just being Bruce Wayne when he's almost forced at like gunpoint to like show up at like public events. He just wants to be the Batman. Yeah. He wants to be a people. And as part of his like, journey in that movie too like figuring out like he's got to be more than just this guy that everyone's afraid of yeah it's definitely one of those things where the dichotomy of you know having the alter ego and things and i always think back to kill bill volume two where he gives a speech about superman and using that as like superman is born superman his disguise is clark kent which is his what he views like the human race as and things like he's shy he's timid he's weaker and stuff like that but he has to pretend to be that but no matter what, he's always Superman and he has to put on the mask of a, you know, Clark Kent. Lately, a lot of people have shifted the Batman story to he's Batman. He like, yeah, he was born Bruce Wayne and all stuff, but he is, he turned into Batman like in crime alley and stuff when his parents were murdered and stuff. And he pretends to be Bruce Wayne more yeah. than anything. And yeah, as you said, they really done a lot better with that. Have you ever read the, the Batman Earth One series? Oh yeah. It's so good. Oh, it's so one good. of my favorites. Yeah. And this kind of can, we can tie this a bit with the new 52 in case there's any listeners who aren't familiar with it. So you mentioned the new 52 mm-hmm. and that was a initiative back in like turn of the decade, like 2010 or something yeah. uh, where DC was just like, we've got 30, 40 plus years of continuity and we're scaring away new readers. So we're going to essentially hit the reset button, which is similar to what Marvel did when they had the ultimate line, but that was ongoing concurrently with their traditional tiles this one was like a reset on every tile they had so the new 52 was like 52 new titles that were like restarting every single series starting brand new series so then after that went going for a while then they did this earth one which is more similar to the ultimate line where it's a separate universe where they can tell these stories and not have to worry about the continuity being established on the main line comics so and the new batman movie i also saw them taking a lot from earth one too because I think there's like that connection where you find out that his mom is, yeah, she's an Arkham. And like, that's from the Earth One. You talk about continuity and that goes hand in hand with canon. How do you feel about the continuity of certain, like the series and uh, what's canon and what's not? I mean, as long as you're telling a good story, I don't care. I used to feel differently like several years ago, when, the, especially when the MCU started getting rolling and then they had like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. I'm like, yes, connect everything. Like, I want an uh, excuse to watch all this so I can see, like, the the little, like, breadcrumbs you're leaving. I think sometimes, especially if you have too many things contributing to the same story, you do sacrifice good, solid stories sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like what DC's doing now, where they're just like, oh, we'll just focus on, we're not going to build up to another Justice League movie. We're just going to have everyone do their own thing. Could be in different universes. Who cares? We're just focusing on making entertaining movies. Yeah, I think the whole canon and lore aspect, especially because, I mean, some of these characters have been around since the 20s. Yeah. I mean, that's a 100 years of material. 
it's really intimidating, especially I mentioned I got into it because of Batman Returns, like a movie. And there are a lot of people who are into comics now who is probably MCU movies like Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, all that got them into it. It's like, oh, I want to read the comics. And it is super intimidating to even walk walking down our comic aisle, but you go into a comic book store and you're just like, where do I even start? You think you're grabbing volume one, but it's like, oh, no, that's volume one of this run. It's totally different. And I'm like, okay, so does this relate to this? Like, oh, no. And, and it can get so confusing. And it's one of the reasons why you can type in on Google, how should I start and insert any superhero character? And you will find a thousand articles like, hey, here's where you should start. I mean, I know it's not really superhero related, but I remember being really confused by Star Wars canon. It's like once whoever owns Star Wars, they get to just pick and choose what's canon and what's not. And then... I don't know. It gets so confusing. The good thing is that there are runs and then you can just read a run and be good to go. At least that, that's how I've always kind of read superhero comics. All right. What's the best story art? All right. I'm going to read that. Cool. That was fun. Let me move on to something else. Instead of trying to read every single Batman comic that's been out since the thirties or something. <laughs> I agree with both of you is that uh, it, it's very interesting following along with the canon and the continuity of a series. But in the end, you got to have a good story. It's got to be entertaining. If canon and continuity is getting in the way of that, you know, just break it. And I think one of the things you're seeing now is like the continuity is mostly staying with like the writers uh, like, for example, you got like Scott Snyder wrote Batman at the beginning of New 52, did it for several years. Mm-hmm. You can kind of like make that your starting off point because like basically it's just kind of like, oh, you know, we all know the story of Batman. Paris got murdered, cursed the night, Freya Bats, turns that into his Saltsmith symbol. And now he dresses up as a bat and punches people. That's all you need you, to know. You should That's, write comic books. I know, here. right? That was I, amazing. <laughs> I feel just, like I was there. Oh, I just need to stretch that out for 30 pages <laughs> and I've got myself <laughs> the first issue. What do you all think is the best superhero story? Like it doesn't, it doesn't depend on if it was in a TV show, a comic, a movie. What was the thing that from beginning to end, you're like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Or listen to if it was like an old school like radio show. Best story for me would be Thor's story throughout Infinity War and Endgame. Even in Thor Ragnarok, a lot of stuff happens to that character. All right, he loses all his entire family, his entire world, and he becomes vengeful. And he he has this huge arc compared to the previous two movies. He goes through so much, and he's not in a good point in Endgame. He's depressed. Yeah. The dude. <laughs> yeah, the, the dude, essentially. And uh, the moment whenever they go back in time and he's talking to his mom, she just gets straight to the heart of the matter. You're still you. You're still good. You'll figure this out. And then he calls his hammer and he's still worthy. And it's just like that hits home. No matter what happens, you're still you and you're still worthy. So I thought it was just a beautiful story arc for that character. I'm still trying to think of a specific one, but I will say I love what they're doing with the Marvel shows on Disney+. Plus. We're in the middle of Miss Marvel. So they're using the TV show format to delve further into issues that were mostly glossed over in the movies. Winter Soldier and the Falcon, you've got issues of race and being a black man in America. With WandaVision, it's exploring themes of grief. Miss Marvel, they're exploring something that I feel like no one gets taught in America about partition 
uh, happened to uh, in India and Pakistan after World War II, you had like hundreds of thousands of people died and there was this mad rush to get to escape their lands. And, um, and they're really diving into that. And you don't expect that from like a, um, visual like a superhero story. At least we haven't really seen too much of that recently. So I'm glad to see they're really using the TV shows to dive a little deeper. Yeah. It feels like they're taking bigger risks. I've been trying to come up with some choices of my own. It- I feel like there's also a lot of great superhero stories that are copied and redone in other ways that have nothing to do with superheroes, but it's like that overall story is just used over and over and there's just so good. A lot of just superhero origin stories, they're kind of like a dime a dozen. They kind of seem like, okay, you have to be an orphan or something like that to always be a superhero. (laughs) It's not fair. The origin of Spider-Man in of itself, I mean, having to be raised by his aunt and uncle and then being like the bullied kid and the great power comes great responsibility. I think that's like a line that will be remembered as well as like, I'm your father, you know, by Darth Vader to Luke. But in terms of like other stories, there's a great episode of the Batman anime series. That's the origin of two face for like half the show. Harvey Dent is just a character. If you didn't read the comic, he had no idea he was two face mm-hmm. and he's like a recurring character that interacts with Bruce Wayne, their buddies and stuff. And then, when he eventually comes to face, it's one of the greatest episodes of that show ever. In terms of like comics, the killing joke with Batman, I mean, it was a huge source material for the Dark Knight with by Christopher Nolan with Heath Ledger. Just because they're trying to break Jim Gordon by doing these horrible things, but it's like, you know, good people don't break and that great message. I used to own this comic. I have to find it. I hope it's somewhere back home in my parents' attic or something. But I have like an issue of Spider-Man. It's like a 9-11 commemorative issue. And all it is is all the Marvel superheroes and even the villains show up at Ground Zero to try and like help with like recovery efforts. And the first panel, it shows like Ground Zero still like smoldering in smoke and Spider-Man just has his hands on his head. And he's like swinging down like the street to try to rush there. And there's like a family saying, why weren't you here? And then it ends up being this great story of, see all these moments that you heard about like heroism and by ordinary people during 9-11 and stuff and then it ends with like you know these are the real heroes and stuff like that so that was really really emotional one and then i guess the last thing i wanted to mention is like black panther a nation under our feet just read it it's like the best way to get into black panther it's like if you love the movie and you're like i need to read at least one it's like that's the one i would suggest you read the one i keep revisiting in my mind is the dark knight i think officially that's when superhero movies could start becoming cinema because i remember like that was a year where like people were really trying to get the dark knight on the oscar ballot and you know heath ledger did end up winning posthumously for his performance. But I just remember walking out of that and be like, wow, this is like one of the best movies, like not superhero, but best movies I've seen for a while. Mm -hmm. Some of the best acting in a superhero movie I've seen to this day still sticks with me. The one moment, like there's so many amazing moments, but like the one that sticks out to me was like in spoilers for like a 14 year old movie here, but for Rachel is killed and Bruce is just sitting there with his mask off and that conversation, him and, Alfred. Him and Alfred have. They framed it like a little kid talking to his parents after something traumatic happens to him. He finishes a story he's been telling up to that point about the guy who they were trying to capture like in the Congo of something and mm-hmm. just kind of like, well, we just, we just burned down the, the forest. 
not only that, but I totally just realized there's a whole part where he was supposed to give the letter from Rachel oh, yeah. to him, and he decides not to because he's afraid that would just make him stop yeah. even trying. And that's such a gnarly thing that Alfred has to choose to do. And it really makes you remember because in the comics, Alfred is so pivotal. Like he saves Batman's life so many times. And he does in the films too, but in a recent run of comics, they kill Alfred and he is without anyone in his family. It's like, how does he move on? And it's one of the most insane like comic runs because the moment it just happens in the middle of the run, you think you would save that for either the end of the first issue and you're just like, this just turned the whole Batman world upside down. Well, that, that was a good point. Uh, talking about side characters. Is there anyone else you can think of that is in that role that not necessarily a hero themselves, but they wouldn't be the hero they are without that person. Just cause I've been rewatching Daredevil. Claire played by Rosario Dawson is one of the coolest characters. Just that the whole idea of Daredevil just being this vigilante running around, she just calls in the question, like, why are you even doing this? This is the most insane thing a human being can decide to do. But her entire like story and just her being just a working class nurse and just trying to do the right thing when she could easily just run away and just ignore somebody. She's one of my favorite side characters for sure. I do love The Flash, though. It's, it's fun. I only watched like maybe one or two seasons, but it's definitely one of those where I think it stays true to like the comics in terms of like, I mean, come on, this man runs at the speed of light. It's going to be a little silly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's really easy to joke about shows on like the CW just because you think they're like just for teenagers and stuff. And that is like not going to be like Oscar worthy acting or anything like that. But the end of that first season is like tier jerker for sure it's amazing yeah seasons one and two are really good it was whenever season three came around that i was just i was like okay i don't know if i can keep up with this because it starts getting really out of hand whenever they do i think flashpoint that's tough to do on that small budget not only that but also that's such a strain for visual effects companies because it's like hey we, we need a quick turnaround it's like well i need more time to render this and it's like well you don't have it and it's like okay well people are not gonna be happy yeah i'm gonna actually submit chewbacca I know, I know Han's not really a superhero. In our hearts, he is. So. <laughs> he is, he is. But he would be nowhere without Chewie. One of my biggest heartbreak moments was whenever Disney announced uh, all the previous material was no longer canon. And there was like tons and tons of stuff uh, going on. I mean, Chewbacca dies eventually in the old material. Uh, but the way they do it is the way that the only way they can kill him is by basically dropping a moon on top. That was an adequate way to get rid of that character. I'm okay with that. Don't like, uh, don't kill him off screen like Admiral Akbar. I, I know this is probably on like everyone's like tip of their tongue, but like Robin. And I bring that up because the anime movie Batman Under the Red Hood really does a good job of like exploring that because, you know, he's had multiple Robins throughout his like comic career. And this one focuses on. Jason Todd, which is the one who was killed off in the comics in like the 80s because fans voted for it, I think. Yeah, during the run, because it was like he's kidnapped by the Joker because he's trying to actually find his birth mom. There's like three women who it could possibly be, and he's been like leaked this information, and he ends up finding his mom. But it turns out that the Joker had blackmailed her into, um, into like leaking like some clues for him to find him, and then 
the Joker captures him and then it looks like he's about to kill him. And then I can't remember the exact history of it, but it's like at the end, there was like a phone number where fans could call in and vote. Do you want us to kill Robin or do you want us to let him live? And then overwhelmingly, I think they're like, kill him because (laughs) he was one of the least liked uh, Robins by um, a lot of the fan base because he's like he was second, I believe, because it's Dick Grayson and then Jason Todd. Because then after that you have uh, Tim, Tim Drake, Drake yeah. and then Damien, but um, yeah, people people loved Dick Grayson so much, and then they just never warmed up to Jason Todd. If you want to continue with Under the Red Hood, which is amazing, yeah, like, every form of it. it. He comes back and he assumes this new uh, this new uh, identity, the Red Hood. Kind of presents both sides of the argument. It's like in one side with Jason Todd, he's like, yeah, it's bad that Batman is like taking these kids under under his wing and like teaching them martial arts and how to disarm people and you know how to beat up thugs. Like it doesn't seem healthy. But on the other side, it also presents the argument. It's like, well, actually, he's not only just helping them, but it's also helping him kind of heal in his own way and kind of keeps him in check when he has like this younger sidekick around. Because one of the big things with death in the family is how Jason Todd is becoming a man because he's a teenager and then he's kind of going through that sort of stuff. And then he's asking questions about his past and things. And Batman's so focused on what we got to do, like the mission and stuff of, you know, protecting the city, blah, 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 fighting crime. And he feels like Batman is just ignoring him and who he is as a person because Jason Todd just like leaves. He's like, like I'm done. And Batman just kind of tries to go on without him. And then he like misses him and he's like, and then he realizes, Oh, I've really not been a good like father figure. Then of course at the end it's too late and he finds like his body. And then it's like the super like famous cover art of him holding like Robin, like in his arms that just been killed. So like under the red hood is like a continuation, like the next part of that story. And it's definitely one of the best like anime movies DC has done. Because the DC animated universe is the only thing that can compete with the Marvel. <laughs> yeah, <action. laughs> one day maybe we'll get some better uh, DC movies. Yeah. Clearly, I mean, some some people have forgotten Green Lantern at this table, and you should be ashamed. As a character, oh, as a movie, the movie version with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, of course. That's that's how this joke works. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only good thing about it is that it became joke fodder for the Deadpool movies. And definitely made it to where Ryan Reynolds could then be Deadpool a second time. Because people also forget (laughs) the very uh, not-so-cool Deadpool. (laughs) X-Men Origins? I think Yeah, X-Men Origins of Wolverine, where they took the Merc with a mouth and they covered up his mouth at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what are you guys looking forward to for superhero movies? Well, not just movies, superhero anything. Well, I know I'm anxiously awaiting the next volume of Batman Earth and One, but the most recent one just came out, and it's usually like a few years between those. I'm uh, really excited about the She-Hulk show. That's hopefully they're embracing like the weird side Marvel more so than usual, where that's like the main focus. Like you got Frogman in the trailer like making his live action debut who would have thought that was going to be on the bingo card this year and just also like exploring like it's something we haven't seen in the marvel universe is which is like the legal ramifications of being a hero and like exploring it from like the lawyer's perspective speaking of lawyers i'm excited to see how they bring back daredevil 
honestly, seeing Daredevil and Spider-Man No Way Home was the most excited <laughs> I was in that movie. I mean, because it was kind of leaked, like, all the cool moments. And it was, oh, yeah. it was really cool to see, you know, all the Spider-Men and whatever. But, man, when they snuck in Charlie Cox as Daredevil and just, like, illegal counsel's here. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's him. Of course, I'm looking forward to seeing the next Battinson uh, movie for sure. Because the big question is, are they really going to already bring in the Joker again? Everyone's expecting it already, but also people are like, oh, what if you did this villain and this villain? I really wish that they would do a different Batman villain. So hopefully that happens. But yeah, She-Hulk looks awesome. I I still got to go see a new Thor. I'd always heard that Thor Love and Thunder, that comic run, I guess, that's Mm -hmm. based off of, is supposed to be amazing also. So I need to read that too. That comes out next week. Which yeah. by the time this airs. Which will, yeah, it will be in the past. Ah, yeah. 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 The casting for uh, Love and Thunder is pretty amazing, too. I'm really excited uh, that Natalie Portman is reprising her role, especially with uh, YTD being able to make the character probably a little different, a little bit less of a you know damsel in distress. Uh, and then also uh, having Christian Bale as a villain should be amazing. I keep telling myself it's not going to be as good as Ragnarok because I got to keep my yeah my expectations in check or else I'm just going to be disappointed. In the gaming realm, I'm excited about Insomniac's take on Wolverine. Yeah, so the, you know they made the Spider-Man games. Oh yeah, the new ones and uh, yeah, they're making a Wolverine game in that same universe. Ooh, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Oh yes, I finally got to it. Okay, so uh, Deadpool showing up in mainstream MCU. They've got all the rights and everything, so they should be good. Yeah, and that's the one where they're constantly telling people, "No, we're making this," because I think that's the one people are the most afraid it's going to get dropped because it doesn't really match up with the rest of the MCU. There's also supposed to be the Batgirl movie. That's just kind of nerve-wracking because I'm just sort of thinking, all right, well, DC's one time with a female hero did go well with Wonder Woman because that was a great movie and everything, but I'm just like... Can you really do it twice, or are you going to end up ruining my hopes and dreams for this character? <laughs> because there, there's enough source material to make it cool, but DC, sometimes the film world is in such like disarray. Who knows what's happening with the Flash movie? There is no oh. telling. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to get rid of Ezra, just go ahead and Photoshop it in, I guess. Grant Gustin. Super wonky, but hey, we had to live through like the CGI removal of Superman's mustache in the first Justice League version. Should have kept it, yeah. There's a great, uh, their visual effects company called Quarter Digital on uh, YouTube. I love those guys. They uh, re edited Batman or Superman to put his mustache back on. And so we have like uh, the Superman that looks like the old Conan O'Brien skits where they used to have like the still pictures, but then they would like have the mouth on it. Yeah. Lips are hard to make in visual effects. (laughs) Yeah. They're constantly moving and trying to think, I don't think there's anything else. What about you guys? I would say like my main avenue for my superhero content is actually Hoopla. I probably read more digital comics than paperback just because I think it's so convenient for me because it's usually all in volumes because collecting paperbacks is something I haven't really dived into too much because it's really intimidating. I mean, I do love having like my other volumes, but sometimes they try to compact so much that it's physically painful to read there's like the saga comics and it's just like you're trying to open it and it's you're reading your phone book yeah 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 well a phone book from like back when phone books were a thing yeah for sure <laughs> oh i just showed my age <laughs> but yeah it's very impractical like trying to read that from cover to cover 
course, I would rather have the actual book in my hand, but digital has been super, super convenient. I don't have to go anywhere to go get it. I just get it to my phone or my laptop or tablet. Yeah, if there's something I want to check out from the graphic novels, I'll see if we have the physical first. Um, plus, I think we have like a larger selection on Hoopla, it is maybe. gigantic. It's yeah. gnarly how much stuff is on there. We yeah. also have Comics Plus. Have yeah. you looked into that yet? Yeah, Comics Plus is really cool, especially if you're into um, manga. A couple of volumes of like Attack on Titan are on there. I know it's not really superhero themed, but it's also one of my favorite things. It, it's one of those things where the front page, you may not see something that you like, but if you kind of search a little bit in different categories, you end up finding some really cool stuff. Recently, I got Spawn um, Gunslinger, um, which I thought was a collaboration of Todd McFarlane and Stephen King, and it is not. Uh, <laughs> it is just, uh, it is literally just if Spawn was from the Wild Wild West. And Will Smith is not there, unfortunately. Oh, oh okay. Or so Kevin Klein. You get like bummed out twice because you're <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really holding out hope for uh, Kevin Klein. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen. But it's where I read like The Authority. It's where I've been able to read Death in the Family and because there's a lot of classics on there. And they have like All-Star Superman, Superman Red Sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of – like I was even reading like Spider-Man, Craven's like Last Hunt or something like that or Craven, which is a character that if you watch the movies, you've probably never heard of. But in the anime series, he was a dude with the like leopard vest. He was like a hunter. I haven't got too far into it, but it's pretty nuts. I think my last run-in with Craven was uh... – Squirrel Girl. Uh, <laughs> Such an underrated story there. You know, I am sadly have not checked out that series yet. I need to. It got silly real. Well, yeah. It's, well, I mean, I mean, you expect I, it yeah, to be silly, but. It has to, yeah. With Squirrel Girl, there's no other direction to go. Our listeners that don't know, Hoopla and Comics Plus are both part of our digital collection that EVPL has, which can be found on our website, evpl.org, under the Collections tab, I believe. And uh, you can access all of our digital resources with just your library card and PIN number, usually. Yeah, with Hoopla, you do register with your email. But I think on Comics Plus, you just have to have your card number and your PIN. Or you can also just uh, check out items from our physical collection because we have tons of graphic novels that is always growing. And if there's something that you can't find and you think we should have, always suggest it because uh, that's a big part of what we find out what to add to our collection is by residents who let us know what they want to see. And if you want to share with us your favorite comics or superheroes, you can email us at podcast at evpl.org. This has been fun. You guys have a great night. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, everyone, and thanks for joining us, Chase. Thank you for having me. 